Tapping the keg daily is live for Monday. It is November 13th. We're going to talk about the worst Wisconsin week ever. Holy shit. It was not a good one. Uh, we'll get into that. We're going to get into questions about the Packers as well as golden kegs from their loss against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to talk about why some of the Bucks panic needs to be taken down a notch. We're also going to talk about the Wisconsin Badgers' rotten football culture and much, much more. It is not uh, happy times here in the state of Wisconsin. We're going to get all into all of that. Before we get going, uh, make sure that you're following along on social media. It's having the keg on Twitter. It's having the keg sports on Instagram as well as TikTok and Facebook. Uh, if you're already subscribed, make sure that you are also subscribe to the podcast. I meant to say followed, but whatever. It all works the same. Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you're already subscribed, drop this in the group chat. We'd appreciate that. We want to get people knowing about Tapping the Keg Sports as much as possible. If you are new, welcome in. Uh, we tape four times a week. Uh, the schedule is a little bit flexible given to the sports schedule of the Wisconsin sports. And sometimes we do five times a week. There might be possibility of a five-timer this week with so much going on this week. We have a bunch of Bucks games this week. We have Marquette against Illinois. Obviously, the Packers and Chargers, the Badgers and the Cornhuskers. So it's a big week. A uh, lot going on. This is a very busy time in the state of Wisconsin, and we're here for you guys. All right, let's dive in to one of the worst weeks in Wisconsin sports history. It was a bad week. There is not much about it. Nothing really is going well. Uh, right now, everybody is in the shit. Even Marquette, who's going to probably be number three in the country when the AP poll comes out tomorrow, has a Tyler Kolick injury to worry about that might keep him out for the showdown against Illinois on Tuesday evening. So like, even though Marquette is the one beacon of hope, the one bright light right now, Tyler Kolick has an ankle injury, so it's not, it's not perfect. And everybody is going through it right now. And it just really is ugly. It is just super gross. This thing looks like your freshman waistline after you've been pounding beast ice and topper sticks for a semester. Like, it is gross right now. There is nothing really fun about watching Wisconsin sports at this moment. It is like one consistent punch to your dick or vagina. We're an inclusive podcast. If we Shout out to the female listeners. But seriously, it's just like, it doesn't seem to be getting better. Like there, I, I, there are some encouraging things here and there, but it's like, can we have like some positivity? Can we feel good for once? Like this week started with the Craig Council news and then it sprawled out to Giannis gets ejected. They have to hold on against the Pistons. Then they lose to Indiana, the Bucks that is. They lose to the Magic. Then the, pa the Badgers play one of their worst football games in recent memory. And then the Packers lose. Like it just like, it's just been bad, man. Like there's just not a lot to look forward to. I, and it's just... It's, it's super tough right now to kind of be that positive guy. Like I like to think of myself, if you guys listen to me, is I have a lot of encouragement. I am pretty positive in nature about our teams, right? Like I am not one 
to, you know, run to the hills. Every now and again, I'll freak out about something. I remember one time I did a drunk podcast on a Friday night and called for Craig Council to be fired. Uh, you know, like, that was bad. That was not, not great uh, by me. But, like, typically, I tend to not run for the hills. I give a lot of leash before I'm starting to freak out. But it's just like, man... When is it going to turn around? When are we going to feel good? And everyone's like, well, this is life as a Wisconsin sports fan. Is it though? Like, yeah, we've had a lot of disappointments in our like collective livelihoods. We have one Super Bowl, we have one NBA Finals, but there's been a lot of good. There's been a lot of fun where you're looking forward to watching the Green Bay Packers. You're looking forward to watching the Milwaukee Bucks. You're looking forward to watching the Wisconsin Badger football team. And like, yeah, they're going to lose here and there, but there's going to be also games where they just absolutely dominate. When is the last time that we've seen those three teams collectively dominate a, a game in their sport? Maybe since Packers-Bears? Is that it? Like the, the Badgers, I guess that made that Rutgers game for Wisconsin. Uh, the Bucks have not blown out anybody this year. Uh, so it's like, I, I think there's just this feeling of, all right, like, can we start just having fun again? Can we start sort of getting back to that? Like, that was why it was so refreshing to watch Marquette. These first two games where they absolutely put Northern Illinois and Ryder in the ground. And now I know these aren't good teams, but they didn't, they didn't fuck around. They didn't play with their food, right? And they didn't have this cataclysmic loss where it was like, oh my God, like maybe we underestimated or we overestimated Marquette. No, they looked the part, they did their job, and they're going to be number three in the country. And it, it was so nice. Like, that's really all we have. And I know some of you are listening are not Marquette fans. I would recommend the bandwagon, but that's all we got right now. And if you add on, you know, everything else, like, it's just been one big pile of shit. And, like, if you think about it all, like, the Packers, for some people, were expected, right? Like, I don't think that it was sort of like going to be this bad. I never thought that it was going to be a three and six season. Uh, I thought that Green Bay would be a little bit better than this. And I agree that they have not caught one fucking break. But I'd also argue that Green Bay is not talented enough sometimes to catch those breaks. And should Green Bay have two or three more wins? Potentially. And it's very eerie how similar this is to the 20, 2008 season for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it's just, it, it's almost lining up perfectly. It's it's absolutely crazy. And now the Packers right now projected as a top five, top six pick. Now, again, we have a long way to go. We talked about sort of not cheering for draft picks. But if you are one of those people, this was a competitive loss and you're happy with it, right? This is like, this is exactly what you want if you want to tank. Now, I, again, I want to win every fucking game. I said that last week on Monday's show. I mean that, uh, and that's very true. As for the Wisconsin Badgers, you know, they their problems were a lot more than anybody expected. I don't think anyone saw this coming. Losing back-to-back -back games to Indiana and Northwestern is unheard of. To lay an absolute egg in Camp Randall Stadium is pretty much unheard of as well. This It's so bizarre to kind of see this out of Wisconsin and just like, yeah, you expected it with the Packers, right? But like with Northwestern or uh, Wisconsin, excuse me, like you never saw this as a possibility. 
Like people were talking about Wisconsin as this year's TCU. Remember that discussion happened. That was something that was talked about in the offseason that Wisconsin could hit this brand new level with this dairy raid system. And it went absolutely off the rails. Now, is this on Fickle? Is this on the players? Is this on a little bit of both? Is this on the lack of recruiting from Paul Christ and Jim Leonard? Who knows? But again, this was not expected. And now the Badgers have to win one game to be bowl eligible and keep their streak of 22 straight bowl eligible seasons. The Milwaukee Bucks continue to struggle. They don't don't seem to have a full deck at any point, right? We have seen games without Chris Middleton. We've seen Dame Lillard now miss two games. And it's caused more panic in the streets. And the fans have a diseased mindset. Like the fans are are running for the goddamn hills after a five and four start. When in reality, if Dame Lillard plays against Indiana and probably Orlando, the Bucks win both those games, or they're at least one and one. And you know what I mean? Like it's so funny how this all works. I get that five and four is not the start that you wanted, but there are other teams that are kind of in that same boat. Phoenix, Golden State, like. They're not Miami, like none of these, there are teams that are just kind of off to a slow start and that's okay. Like that's, that's fine. I understand that there are things wrong. I'm not, my head's not completely buried in the sand or in Adrian Griffin's ass, but I'm just telling you, like, it's not as bad as some people are making it out to be. And, but I think just like the way that the Bucks were supposed to save us from what was going on with the with the Packers and somewhat the Badgers, and they aren't doing it. They're making it worse. And then if you're a Badger basketball fan, they gave up 80 points to a Tennessee team that I didn't think they, I don't think Tennessee knew they were allowed to score 80 points. 61 of those were inside the paint. Tennessee absolutely took Wisconsin to the woodshed. I know it was like a 10 point loss. I, I honestly did not have eyes on it. Uh, I, I couldn't really get my wife to watch Peacock of a team she doesn't like at all in the Badger basketball team. But I, but regardless, like I know Tennessee is pretty talented. I know they're a pretty good team. And I know that a lot the Tennessee hype train is going to be pretty strong after that game. But man, 80 points is a, is a slight red flag, no? Like I have to think it's a little bit of one. And it just adds to the misery. And again, like Marquette, yeah, a little bit of a shining light, but Tyler Kolick, ankle injury. So it's like, can we just get a week where we're having fun a little bit? Can we have a good time? I will say if Marquette went, like if you're telling me that in two weeks, Marquette's going to win the Maui, the Bucks are going to beat the Celtics, and the Packers are going to stun the, the Lions, I'll take this. I'll, I'll eat the shit. Like, I'm fine. Like, I'll be that guy at the Cavs uh, championship parade. I'll eat the shit now. But then if I get that in two weeks, like, I will take that any day of the fucking week. I don't really care about the axe, but for my buddies that care about it, like, if they get the axe, Badgers get the axe too. Like, I mean, that's a great fucking week. I mean, even if you get two of those things, right? If you get Marquette wins the Maui and the Bucks beat the Celtics but the Packers lose and the Badgers lose the Axe. I mean, that still is a pretty good fucking week. But yeah, it's just, I mean, and the other thing we didn't even talk about, but like it does seem like Pat Murphy might get the Brewers manager job and that would cause me an aneurysm. Not really, but like, 
man, oh man, is it going to get better? I, I just don't know. I guess we got to hope that Tyler Kolek's ankle's all right. And you guys can all join us on the Marquette bandwagon. Uh, but they have a tough game against Illinois on Tuesday. We're going, we, Kolek or not Kolek, we'll have to see. But I, I would love to tell you it gets better, but I have no idea if it will. Let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. We're going to do something a little different for the Packers. Just some questions that I have from the game uh, that I came away with and I'm, are pondering uh, after the, the Packers' latest loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, 23-19. to uh, it, it was a interesting game in general. Uh, I feel like Packers got hit in the mouth early. They did respond pretty well to that hit in the mouth, and they battled back, made it a game in, at halftime, had a lead momentarily in the fourth quarter. They lost it right away, uh, and then the Packers could not regain it back. They lose and drop to three and six on the season. The questions that I do have, did Jordan Love play his best game as a professional? I would say yes. I, I know that he was 21 of 40 for 289, and I understand 21 of 40 is not the greatest uh, completion percentage, but I, I really felt like Jordan Love was as confident as I have ever seen him on the football field. And I felt like he was really comfortable back there and he just slang the football 7.2 on the average he did have two interceptions but again those interceptions were late uh i don't think either one was really his fault i mean the interception at the very end of the game the interception with christian watson we'll talk about here in a second uh i just think that jordan love looked the part and seemed more confident and all the bad shit that happened you know in that stretch of detroit and Minnesota and Denver and like where he just didn't necessarily seem confident in himself. It, it does seem like it's turning the corner a little bit. And that's, that's exciting. That, that part kind of gets you, gets you through it because you're starting to see the, the progression of this team. And it's not a surprise that these young guys are starting to feel more comfortable in their skin as they play more NFL football games. That's not a surprise, I think, to anybody. How did this Packers secondary hold up without Jair? Honestly, okay. Uh, maybe better than okay. I, I think that Carrington Valentine really wasn't heard from the entire game, but that's that's a good thing. That's what you want as a corner, right? You don't want your name to be talked about very much. They picked on Corey Valentine a lot, but I felt like Valentine, after you know, kind of a rough start, he really hung in there in the second second half. Made a really nice play on a third down. Uh, nearly got an interception out of that play. Uh, I thought Green Bay did did well. I was I was pleasantly surprised. I know Kenny Pickett is not a great quarterback, but I, I just I felt like it could have been a lot worse. Now, if you face Justin Herbert with these guys, is it going to be a different story? It very well could. With Keenan Allen just running slants and posts all over the fucking middle of the field and just owning our asses the entire game. That's very possible. And I, everything I say about the secondary could go out the window next week. But again, it's, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, the Chargers coming into Lambeau cold weather after a shootout game with the Lions where they probably should have won that game. I don't know. Chargers, I think, are always, there's always a chance you could beat them because they're the fucking Chargers, Right. Uh, but we'll talk about that, obviously, as the week goes on. So I felt like they, they hung in there which, without Jair, which credit to them. What does Sean Ryan have to do to get on the field? I don't fucking know, man. Uh, John Runyon, 
It's like, I I think John Ryan's a good dude. I think John Runyon wears a great number in 76. That was my number for those who are unfamiliar. But John Ryan's making 76 look bad. Uh, John Runyon just had multiple plays where it just, he, he did not necessarily seem like a starting guard in the NFL. And Sean Ryan looked really good in the limited snaps we saw against the Rams. And it's time to pull the plug. And again, this is my problem with a lot of the LaFleur Gutekunst administration is they just sit on their hands. They wait till the very last moment where they're like, oh, we got to get rid of this guy. Like Amari Rogers is a great example of that, where they get rid of Amari Rogers. They let Keyshawn Nixon start taking back kicks. And all of a sudden, the Packers have a fucking return game. I mean, think about how infuriating that is. Like, that's still infuriating. And if Sean Ryan comes in here and just starts pushing dudes around and all of a sudden the Packers can run up the middle again, it's going to be equally infuriating. Like, John Runyon, as pointed out by a lot of people on the Packer Twitter sphere, he doesn't have a contract next year. Uh, there is no reason that you need to keep John Runyon. Like, in a weird way, you could cut John Runyon. I'm not recommending that. But I, but what I'm saying is, like, there is no reason to, like, keep developing John Runyon. Just let Sean Ryan cook. Uh, so we'll see if that actually happens. What does pitch pit boss Rich, Rich Passaccia, actually do? I don't fucking know. I have no idea. Uh, Packers special teams still suck. It's unbelievable. It's like we infect anybody who comes near us. Like we, and maybe it's the lack of depth. Maybe it's the youth movement. Whatever it may be, we're like 28th in special teams in DVOA. Like terrible, fucking terrible. And then the Josiah Daguerre play today. Like Josiah Daguerre does not block Patrick Peterson. He's supposed to block the fucking edge, and he doesn't do that. And because he doesn't do that. The Packers had multiple opportunities to get a game-time field goal. And if they get the game-time field goal, who knows where this game goes? And that's on Josiah DeGuerra. This, I mean, there's other things that you could put the loss on, but that's a huge part of it. And I have no idea why Josiah DeGuerra is here. I don't know what Josiah DeGuerra does besides trying not to put your tail between your legs that you fucked up another third-round draft pick. Is Christian Watson another version of Devontae Adams? So this picks up some steam late on Sunday, looking at Devontae Adams' first couple of years and Christian Watson's current struggles. Here's the thing. Devontae Adams was very frustrating. People forget that there were, there were folks that wanted Devontae Adams out for Jeff Janis uh, in maybe the most blatant racism that you see in the state of Wisconsin when it comes to sports. Uh, Sean Clifford for Jordan Love might be close to that, but Devontae, or Jeff Janis for Devontae, it was way worse. Devontae, you know, would show flashes, but he would drop drop a lot of balls. I think the problem with the Devontae-Christian Watson comparison is at that time, Greg Jennings was still there, Jordan Nelson was still there, or was there, and prominent figure, Randall Cobb was there. Devontae Adams was real. James Jones might have been. I'd have to look back at that. I guess we could do it. The 2015 Packer wide receiver room. But it was it was a pretty damn good wide receiver room. And Devontae Adams didn't necessarily have to be the guy. That was a situation where it really, you know, it was really more about, you know, the other dudes. Like it was not necessarily where Devontae Adams was like, yeah, let's see here. So receiving wise, you had Randall Cobb with 829 
that year. You had, let's see, yeah, James Jones had 890 on that year. Jordy Nelson, I think, went out. That was the year he tore his ACL. So no Jordy Nelson that season. Devontae had 483 that year. But like, so like he had, he had, he showed some promise, but again, he was not the main guy. Like it was Jones and it was, it, it was Cobb. And those were the two dudes that were used probably the most in that system. So I can't like be like, all right, yeah, Christian Watson is going to follow that Devontae Adams arc. I agree that sometimes it's too early to get, get through to wide receivers there's been a lot of growing pains this year with Christian Watson, and he's just taking a step back with Jordan Love. And I think the hope was with Love, there it would be better, and it's it's actually been worse. He's been the one guy, well, maybe not the one guy, but he's been probably the you know a guy that really has missed Aaron Rodgers. And I don't feel like we've seen that with the other dudes, and so I don't know what to make of it just yet. I kind of wonder about that Jonathan Taylor, Christian Watson deal, where I'm like, yeah, maybe we should have sold high on Christian Watson and just taken that Taylor deal, given the Aaron Jones sort of, I wouldn't say struggles, but like just Aaron Jones sort of on and off, hot, cold, if you will. Uh, but yeah, Christian Watson, man, it maybe he is the next Devante, but it's, it's just, there's a lot of growing pains and I, I just feel like there's not enough time. And that... That also bolds, I saw somebody, I, I forget who it was, and it's 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 a hard comparison because you gotta remember they're under rookie contracts, but someone pointed out how the Packers should go get a veteran wide receiver next year, just like Jalen Hurts got A.J. Brown, just like Josh Allen got Stephon Diggs, and you, like, you have to remember, like Jordan, Jordan Love's on a different contract, so it, it does make it a little bit difficult I do expect the Packers to be in the conversation for T. Higgins. I don't think T. Higgins is the number one guy, but I, I would imagine that they're going to go after T. Higgins, which would be hilarious because a lot of people point to T. Higgins as the guy the Packers should have drafted over Jordan Love. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, last question before we go to Golden Kegs. Can you explain the end of the first half? I, I don't know. Matt LaFleur, there are just moments where he gets chicken shit. And that was chicken shit stuff from Matt LaFleur. He played that like a complete fucking coward. Packers had two timeouts. There was about a minute 20 left in that game or in that half. And they could have easily push the ball downfield. Jordan Love was having success. I understand you're worried about Jordan Love and a turnover, but it's not fucking preseason, Matt. It's not peewees, right? Let Jordan Love be Jordan Love, okay? If he makes a mistake and costs your team three points, will you get the fucking ball back, okay? Like, this, for, they're also running so much on first down. Uh, and it's like, let Jordan Love be Jordan Love. And I, I just don't feel like they are empowering him enough. Like, I think there are moments where you see it and you're like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what you want. Like, the deep ball to Jaden Reed for the touchdown was so fucking beautiful. And that was a perfect example of letting Jordan Love cook. And I understand that he is a gunslinger and he makes some mistakes and he tries to fit things in. And it's very Farvian in, in a way. And so maybe it's just LaFleur coaching scared because he's worried Love's going to make that mistake. And that wasn't a worry with Aaron Rodgers. But man, they, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like that was such a big moment in the game, especially because you had the double-up opportunity. Like the double-up opportunity is there where if you can get down into field goal range, it's 17-16 heading back in. 
you then have another chance for three points, six points next time out, and that would have changed the game. That would change the the entire makeup of this football game. So I have no idea why Matt LaFleur just played it that safe. That was way too too safe for Matt LaFleur. All right, let's move on to Golden Kegs, where the best and worst from the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, five kegs being the best, one keg being the worst. Five kegs to Zach Tom. I thought Zach Tom played tremendous against TJ Watt. He had no issues. I'd say no issues. TJ Watt got in there on a couple plays, but he really looked good. Like he really looked the part against one of the best edge rushers in all of football. And the fact that he was able to hold his own out there, the fact that he's a little bit undersized just speaks to Zach Tom. And I, I was really impressed with what Zach was able to do on the right side of the football. TJ Watt was pretty nameless throughout this entire game. And that's that's hard to do. And you know Watt had the extra motivation, playing the Packers, everything else. But he had one sack in the game and that was it. And so I think all in all, Zach Tom still should be in that five keg, even with the sack allowed, because I felt like he just really held his own against one of the best players in football. Uh, Also five keg to Jaden Reed. I mentioned the catch earlier. Jaden Reed continues to impress. Jaden Reed won't win rookie of the year. That's CJ Stroud. That is already like locked in. Uh, but I, I think Jaden Reed deserves a lot of credit. He should be on all rookie teams. There was something flying around that he's actually outperformed Jackson Smith and Jibba so far this season. And that was JSN was a guy that I wanted, everybody wanted. And Jaden Reed has really played well uh, for the Green Bay Packers so far this year. And it seems like they have not only a true option in slot, but a guy that I feel like can make all the catches. Um, I, I feel like Jaden Reed has sort of elevated himself as, I don't know if he's wide receiver one at this point, maybe that's a little too early, but it's getting closer and closer. We certainly can have the conversation about wide receiver two, and just with Watson's struggles and with what's going on with Watson, I just wonder if Jaden Reed has become more of a go-to guy for Jordan Love, where he knows that he's going to make a play on a football. I mean, the two long, I mean, he made two long catches today. He made the touchdown catch, which was a contested grab against uh, one defender. And then he also was makes this 46-yard leak out late in the game that gives this give the Packers a chance to win the football game where he just completely snuck behind the defense, kept running with Jordan Love, and he, he hit him in stride. And so really impressed with Jaden Reed. Uh, so far this season. Five Kings, Keyshawn Nixon. I, like, Keyshawn Nixon played really well. Uh, you know, obviously part of the the secondary combination without Jair Alexander, Keyshawn's had a tough year in that slot corner role and he really played well today. Uh, he was getting in on runs. Uh, he had some good, good returns. Uh, all in all, this was a really solid game from Keyshawn Nixon who has not necessarily had a great year defensively. So it's nice to see. Uh, it's nice to see Keyshawn Nixon, you know, play a little bit better. Maybe, you know, he felt like he had to take it up a notch without Jair. Uh, but whatever Keyshawn Nixon did today, I, I hope that he kind of brings that to next week uh, against the Chargers. Four kegs, Rasheed Walker. Rasheed Walker, I, I've been extremely critical of. Another guy I've been very critical of, but... Kind of similar to Zach Tom, like Alex Highsmith did nothing in this game. Like Alex Highsmith 
is as good. I think he got in on one, but like still, same thing. Like he got in on one, and, and like I obviously biased as a former offensive lineman. If you lose one matchup, like it's not as long as it's not like mission critical or the guy gets blindsided and he fumbles the football, like you you're gonna lose every now and again, okay? And but I thought Rasheed Walker, this was a really fucking good game from him, man, and he's just not necessarily had the greatest you know, sort of second year. And it's it's been very up and down. And a lot of us were calling for Josh Diamond. A lot of us were worried that Walker was playing over Nyman today. But Walker held his own, man. He did really well. Um, there was not really that moment where you're like, okay, it's one off the rails for Rashid. It, it didn't. All game. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come. Four kegs also to Jordan Love. I talked a lot about Jordan Love earlier, but like it, it's it's starting to show. There's things that are starting to look in the positives for Jordan Love. I think the people that are were ready to bury Love, that were you know ready to kind of push their chips in and say, "All right, I'm done with Jordan Love," I think are going to be mistaken. I think that you're just seeing the progression of a guy who's you know still it's his first year starting i realize he's older i realize there should be maybe a different standard held to him but you're starting to kind of see what the packers like in jordan love and i i do feel like at the end of the year we're all going to be ready for that 2024 season because we know that it's going to be a great year for the green bay packers because i i do feel like they are sort of progressing to that point. I realize the next three games are, are really fucking tough and that's going to be a good test for Jordan Love. I, you know, the Chargers defense, you know, they give up a lot through the air, uh, but they, they have a fearsome front seven and they're healthy right now. So you have all their guys and that's usually not the case, but you have to deal with Joey Bosa. You have to deal with Derwin James. You have to deal with Khalil Mack. Like that's going to be a challenge for Jordan Love and we'll see, we'll see how he does. Uh, also, uh, four kegs to A.J. Dillon. Nine carries, 70 yards for Dillon. He had a 40-yard run in this game. Uh, A.J. Dillon continues to really sort of turn around his season. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I don't know if that's Aaron Jones being back. I don't know if that's just him being more in shape. You know, I was critical of Dillon's sort of slow starts, which have been a thing for him. Uh, so it's just nice to see. Um, I don't think it really changes my opinion on Dylan going forward as in his last year of his deal, but I still, you know, like what it's what's he's what he's done the last couple of weeks. Three kegs, Corey Ballantyne. Corey Ballantyne had a rough start to this game. He had a couple penalties. He's getting picked on, uh, but he really turned it around in the second half. Uh, I felt like he was fighting for you know on defense. He had the nice play when nearly was an interception on a third down. Uh, it was just strong performance from him, you know, in a spot start. Uh, it was not, it was not necessarily the easiest thing for him to do. Uh, the Steelers receivers are talented, even though they don't get the ball as much as maybe they should. They are they are talented players, and Ballantyne did pretty well. Luke Musgrave uh, is another three kegger. Like we only saw two catches from Luke Musgrave for sixty four yards, but. Man, the potential is there. And that guy just needs a little bit more flexibility. Like he is a clumsy deer right now, just running around in the woods. And once like Luke Musgrave puts it all together, man, it's gonna be really fucking special. Dude is a stud. Uh, the seam play finally works for the Packers. And yeah, I, I love what Musgrave brings to the table. Uh, Dontravian Wicks, another three keg for him, uh, you know, three catches 51 yards but 
Wicks continues to have a, a really nice season for the Packers and another guy that is progressing sort of upwards versus downwards. Two kegs, Aaron Jones. Uh, it was a rough game for Aaron Jones. I, I know, you know, his impact last week was very important, but this was not the game that I think a lot of us expected. The Steelers' run defense is not very good. Jones, you know, 13 carries, 35 yards, 2.7 overall. Uh, Jones also had four catches for 19 yards, uh, but had a brutal play uh, in with about 30 seconds left in the game where if he goes out of bounds, uh, the Packers would have had a little more of a chance, you know, down the stretch, but he didn't. And that cost him dearly. Jones got to know better. I, I do feel like there's like one or two plays where his brain just shuts off in the game. Uh, so hopefully, you know, Jones bounces back. Uh, I'm not like thinking that this is just going to be who Aaron Jones is. Uh, but I think a lot of us expected more just given the fact the Steelers run defense is not very good. One keg. We have a lot of one kegs. Uh, John Runyon, as uh, kind of already mentioned, uh, just, man, get like... Get Sean Ryan in there. It's just been rough. I mean, he had a block that if he gets this screen block with Aaron Jones, all he has to do is just turn his body, get out on this guy. And if he if he gets, you know, face-to-face -face with him and drives him out, Aaron Jones has a touchdown. The Packers win this football game. But John Ryan pushed the guy right in there, right in the Aaron Jones. He actually kind of whiffed on it. And there you have it. Again, I don't know how much more we need to see. Christian Watson Mafia on Twitter. Uh Look, Christian Watson had a rough game. Uh, he, again, struggled to fight for a football in the end zone that cost the Packers an interception. Uh, there was a stat that Watson has basically five times that Love has went to Watson. He's thrown an interception this season, and that's like 50% of Love's interceptions. And his brother, as well as his dad, you know, were all over Twitter tonight. Uh, his brother basically called out Jordan Love. Uh, his dad basically compared him to Devontae Adams' start. Uh, I just think his fan, fam, family needs to put, his, put the phone down. Like, they just, they can't fucking keep doing this. Like, this is not good for Christian Watson. This is how you alienate a fan base. I understand that you want to be supportive of somebody you love, but people take it as you're basically making excuses for him. And I don't think we need this every fucking game. Uh, I, I think if they stayed quiet, I think it would actually benefit Christian Watson. But I understand wanting to be protective of your family. I get that sort of papa bear, brother bear mentality. Like, I, I, I get it, okay? Like, I'm protective of my family too. But I, I just think it hurts Christian Watson in the long run versus helping him. I don't think that there's anything that's constructive by being online and just continuing to talk and defend without you know the proper context the lateral play oh my god i mean scott novak complete novak i think whatever it doesn't fucking matter the refs missing that lateral play it costs green bay the game because even if green bay doesn't get the touchdown they just get the ball at the 10 yard line they're at the goal line worst case they get a field goal if they get a field goal then they could have field goal to win the game packers win 25 23 if Green Bay gets a touchdown in that moment, then Green Bay wins this game going away. And Green Bay has won the game 26 to 23, and there's your final. But instead, it, it's blown dead. It's blown dead. It's called an incompletion, and they have to punt, and then Green Bay doesn't do anything with that, you know, 
that punt and there you have it. And it was a, a total missed points, a complete game changer from the referees. That just can't happen. Uh, that should not happen. The NFL is a fucking joke in this in this world. I, I swear to God. I mean, it kind of already happened with the holding last year with the Eagles and the Chiefs. But I, I swear something egregious is going to happen in the Super Bowl and that's going to fix officiating for good. But it's just such a mess. Every fucking game, there seems to be one or two plays that just are total head scratchers with the referees. Uh, Josiah DeGuerra, we already talked about that. Uh, Joe Barry's run defense. Ah, man. Joe Barry's run defense was okay for the last couple weeks. And then everyone's like, oh, Joe Barry figured it out. Nope, fucking didn't. Uh, Jalen Warren and Najee Harris ran wild against what Barry put out there. Just light box all the fucking time, man. And they tore him up. Uh, and Joe Barry's just who we thought he was, which isn't a surprise. Lastly, Brian Gutekust. A uh, couple of Goody things that really kind of grinded my gears today. Number one, Darnell Washington. Like, how... How did you not draft Darnell Washington in the third round? Like, Darnell Washington was there for the Packers. And I, I understand, like, Tucker Craft, a little more athleticism. I understand San Diego State, or South Dakota State, excuse me. It takes a little more time to develop. But, like, man, that was a missed opportunity. I just, that would have done so, so well for your run block. And that would have really helped things out. Like, the guy is a complete complete space eater in terms of the run block. Now, is he catching footballs? Not really yet. But right now, all you need is him to block. And you could have had Darnell Washington doing that. Yet they they chose to, you know, let him fall. And man, there are some, I, I know it's year one, right? But man, there are some misses here with the Tucker Craft. Like Josh Downs was the pick next after Tucker Craft. Tajay Spears was four picks later. Like, I realized that Packers probably needed, you know, more guys, you know, in, in tight ends, but couldn't you got a tight end later in the draft? Michael Wilson, who's been pretty well for Arizona, also picked in that round. Oh, yeah, there's just, man, not not exactly, not exactly great. Not exactly what you what you want. And I, I just wonder, you know, are they going to regret not taking Darnell Washington down the stretch? The other goody thing is, uh, he drafted Lou Nichols over Keaton Mitchell in the seventh round. They had Keaton Mitchell in for a meeting. Keaton Mitchell uh, has been awesome for the Ravens for two straight weeks. Um, and yeah, could have been a Packer. So that's another uh, goody malfunction. So I can't have that. Uh, but yeah, all in all, uh, that wraps us up for Packers and Steelers. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks had another rough game, losing to the Orlando Magic 112-97. to uh, the Orlando Mat. This obviously caused a lot of Bucks people to panic, uh, and again, the worries need to be toned down. And this is now the fourth time that we're talking about this. Coincidentally, after another Bucks loss, uh, they were not competitive in this game really all game long. Uh, the, the Bucks, you know, had a, it was close in the first quarter, and then the Magic started to separate in the second quarter. And they really never looked back. It got close a little bit. I think it got down to 11 at one point in the fourth quarter. Uh, but it was it was pretty much all magic for the entire game. Now Giannis called out the team afterwards saying that things needed to be better defensively after giving up 65 first half points. I think that's very poignant by Giannis. I think Giannis saying we need to turn it up a notch 
on Twitter after the game, I think it, it is exactly the right message that you want to be sending uh, for the team. And I think that Giannis knows that there is a slight sense of urgency, but I also know that Giannis, it's a long season and he and he knows that and, and everyone's just trying to get comfortable trying to figure out how do you bridge the gap from Bud system to Griff system. And it's just not as seamless as maybe people thought it would be. And I don't know, I realize that Philly is, you know, come alive with Nick Nurse. And everyone's like, oh, you should hire Nick Nurse, should hire Nick Nurse. Well, let's like a couple things with that. Let's, let's kind of unpeel this. Number one, does this just say that Doc Rivers was kind of mailing it in? Is that, is that, can we just say that number one? I like Doc Rivers, Mark had a long, really good on podcast. I okay on ESPN, but can we just like, can we be honest with ourselves? Did, was Doc Rivers just mailing it in? Was he just letting the guys just play ball? Number two, they rid themselves of the James Harden cancer. James Harden directly affected how this team would play. My biggest worry about them getting rid of James Harden was Tyrese Maxey, who dropped 50 fucking points last night and looks like a star player. And I'm a fantasy team, which is great. Uh, but like, I just like, I, I think that they were able to sort of bring to life this new era of Sixers basketball. And yeah, Nick Nurse is along for the ride and helping out. But it's, it's more about the fact that they rid themselves of Harden. Doc Rivers was a lazy coach and they were able to sort of now have a rejuvenated system, okay? The Timberwolves, who have been great, who beat the Warriors in Golden State, they were <laughs> like, this has now been what, two, basically a year and a half. It took the Timberwolves a full year before they really we're able to kind of find who they are as a basketball team. I hope that's not the case for the Bucks. But remember how many people were killing the Timberwolves? Oh my God, I can't believe Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, they don't work together. This, this, this doesn't make sense. And lo and behold, it now fucking works. And now everybody loves the Timberwolves. Uh, who else would, it, would do I want to talk about? Uh, I mean, the Phoenix Suns, you know, it, it's been rough for the Phoenix Suns too. They have not exactly started out well. The Warriors have four losses. Uh, this, the Lakers, they won tonight, but it's not been, you know, rosy for them. They've been great at home and they've been absolute shit on the road. So like they are still going for, for growing pains and it's not been the best start, but there's no reason to talk about firing Griffin or changing things up completely. This idea that if you fire Adrian Griffin, it will suddenly be better is so fucking ridiculous. I think the fact that they were ingratiated into Bud system and a lot of these guys are Bud players, it's taking a little bit longer to sort of acclimate to that. And the fact that they got Damian Lillard like what? Four or five days before training camp? The Milwaukee Bucks, like this, this roster necessarily wasn't built for Giannis and Dame. It just wasn't, okay? So I think that's part of the problem too. So I think the Bucks are still in a ton of flux and they have not exactly played with the full, the full deck of hands and they need more time than we thought, right? I was like, okay, I wanna make sure that the Bucks are well prepared for the Celtics in a month. Guess what? 
we might get our asses kicked by Boston next, next week. And we have to fully prepare for that. And that's okay. Playoff seeding is not as important as it used to be. I don't think any of us can look at playoff season and be like, oh yeah, it matters in the NBA. It's fucking hockey. It doesn't matter. The Warriors and Lakers were a 6-7 matchup in the semifinals last year. The Lakers got to the Western Conference Finals as a 7 seed. The Miami Heat got to the NBA Finals as an 8 seed. Seeding is irrelevant. Do I want the Bucs to stay out of the playing game? Absolutely. But I don't think it's imperative to get the 1 seed. The Miami Heat blew out the Boston Celtics in the hallowed garden in Game 7. It just does not fucking matter anymore. And so that's where I look at it and like... I want the I want I feel like the regular season matters for certain things, right? And I talked about how like yeah, you got to beat good teams, which the Bucks have done so far. They beat the Sixers, right? They took care of business against the New York Knicks team that's probably going to be top five in the East. Like they've had good wins so far this season already, but there's also the fact that like yeah, the rebounding's an issue, the defense is an issue. But they've been good in clutch time before like the last two games. Well, they, they didn't have clutch time against Orlando, but against Indiana. So it's like, I'm just not freaking out too much about this. There are things to worry about that are legit though, honestly. The lack of rebounding is a big fucking concern. That they were always a great rebounding team again with Bud. Now they're not. Is that the zone? Is that the guys you have? How do you remedy that? How do you fix that? What do you need to do to be better rebounders? Because that is a real problem. That that is going to be something that could be an issue the entire year. You gotta figure that out. You're too big to not be a better rebounding team. Uh, Brooke Lopez stealing money in a roster spot worries me. Brooke Lopez might've did the Bill Hall. He might've had just an awesome contract here got his money, and now it's like, okay, he's washed up. I think a team would still talk themselves into Brooke Lopez. The Bucs can't trade Brooke Lopez till December 15th, so he got about a month left to Brooke Lopez. But I don't think Brooke Lopez fits on this team. I don't think, I think the Bucs should use Brooke Lopez as a trade chip, and I think they should look to trade him. And I don't think it's that crazy. I think that the Bucs, he just does not work with Dame and Giannis, and that's okay. And I love Brooke, and Brooke's a buck for life, and a guy that I will always remember what he did against the Hawks in the 2021 uh, Easter Conference Finals, but it, it just looks like he's a little washed up, and he's stealing money, and his brother's just DMP in every game. Like, if Robin Lopez, like, what's the point of Robin Lopez? Like, when can we release Robin Lopez? Like, that's another guy that doesn't necessarily need to be on this roster. Malik Beasley is another legit worry. Like Malik Beasley just does nothing defensively. He, I, I can't believe he's still starting. Like at some point you gotta try something else. And I think it'll be very telling to see what Griffin does with the Jay Crowder injury, which is also a worry. Strain growings are not something that just immediately get better. Uh, but Malik Beasley just should be a bench player at this point. Uh, lastly, Chris Middleton's minutes. I Like I know that part of it was uh, Griff uh, in the game against Orlando kind of went with the young lineup with Marjan and Andre Jackson Jr. But the Middleton minutes have just stayed at 20. Like, when are we going to get the minutes restrictions off? Is it 10 games? Is it 15 games? 
I, I really hope it's sooner rather than later because I do think that's going to help the Bucks. I do think Damian Lillard being back is going to help the Bucks. Uh, but like it, the, pan, the panic, there's certain things to worry about. But just completely throwing the baby out of the bathwater is a little bit much. All right. Golden Keg and Tap Keg for the game against Magic. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Golden Keg, man. 36 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, awesome game for Giannis. He put uh, Brazzati on a poster too. Just awesome dunk from him. He did everything he could to win this game. Uh, it just wasn't enough. Uh, tap Keg to Jay Crowder's injury. That's a bummer. Uh, I don't necessarily know uh, what the, Pat, the Bucks can do in terms of wing defense uh, without Jay Crowder. Uh, you hate to lose a guy that I felt like was your cl- your fifth guy in clutch time, and now you don't have that. Uh, a Crowder's probably going to miss, what, one or two weeks with the strain growing. Like, that's not something that you will just be ready to go, you know, next next game. Jay's a tough guy, though, so who knows? Maybe he's back out there on Monday. It'd be great to have him for the Boston game next week. So we'll have to see. All right, let's wrap up today's show and talk about the Wisconsin Badgers. So the Wisconsin Badgers lost to Northwestern, as I pointed out in the opening podcast, and things have just been much worse at Wisconsin than previously believed. I think that, you know, there there's a hope that Luke Fickle would come in, rejuvenate the program, and it would be, you know, all sunshine and unicorns from day one. And it just has not been the case. Uh, this loss for Wisconsin was as embarrassing as it would get. Uh, That's no shade to Northwestern, but they're 12-point favorites. It seemed like they you know, should be able to take care of business against Northwestern, and they didn't at all. Northwestern handed it to them. Northwestern had 10 straight third-down conversions. Badgers could not get off the field at all against Northwestern, and they lose this game, and it's an absolute tire fire. And now it's up to Wisconsin to see how they show up for the rest of the year. The thing about transfer, the transfer portal is that guys are promised one thing, and when it doesn't happen, things can go to shit if you don't have the right guys. And I, I worry that's the case with Wisconsin. They told a bunch of guys, like, hey, look, we're going to play this air raid system. It's going to be great. We're going to move the football. We're going to score a bunch of points. And that hasn't happened. And also, we're going to win a bunch of games. It hasn't happened. And so you have a bunch of guys that are looking to get back into transfer portal, get out of the hellhole of Wisconsin, and try something new, uh, and actually play for somebody where it might be a reality. Um, I, I look at that, and I, I think that's something Wisconsin is going to have to think about going forward: is really making sure that these guys are aligned with the culture and that they really know exactly what they're getting into when they're deciding to join Wisconsin. Uh, Hunter Waller gave like a Tim Tebow speech, in my opinion, where it was kind of like, we're, I got to be the asshole. Like we're, we need to know who, need, who wants to be here, who doesn't. I think that buys into that, that, that sort of transfer portal commentary. Uh, I was really impressed with it. I think Hunter Waller is a leader of men. Uh, he's a guy that has been easily the best part of Wisconsin this season. Maybe Braylon Allen too. Uh, I know now that he had the injury, he didn't really play much in the game against Northwestern. But like Hunter Waller to me is a first team big tenor. Like he he's a great player out there. And him calling out everybody, I think, speaks volumes. At, at, he's only a sophomore too. Like the fact that he's stepping up at the mic, calling bitching everybody out, says a ton. And it also just shows you the lack of senior leadership, right? I know Miller kind of made some comments, but like 
is Tanner, is Tanner Mordecai really a senior by, by nature? Yes, but he hasn't been with the program for very long. So it's, it, it's really interesting to hear that from Waller. And it makes you wonder, like, how bad is it? Is it worse than we even think? Like, I, I, I said on Twitter uh, on Saturday, the Badgers weren't quit watch. And that's what it looked like. It looked like a team that just did not want to be in the cold, did not want to be there. And they, you know, were just going through the motions. And Northwestern took it to them. I don't necessarily think that Phil Longo or Mike Tressel should be safe. I know that we're addicted to firing coaches. Like that's just something that I think we love to do online these days. We're like, all right, this sucks. This guy has to go. But college football is such a turnstile. There's guys that become available all the time. You know, Dave Aranda, former Badger DC, is likely going to get fired by Baylor. Um, and when he does, I, there's going to be a lot of people asking for services. He was the DC at LSU. Um, I think that a lot of high-profile schools are going to try to land Dave Aranda. I would not be surprised if USC tries to go after Dave Aranda. But Dave Aranda homecoming would not be the worst thing in the world. Uh, you run the 3-4 versus the 3-3-5 that Mike Trestle runs. Uh, but it, it's just like... I, I, I feel like Longo should probably have a shorter leash than Trestle because he tried something new. It didn't really work. You got to find something that, you know, has some spread elements, but it's Big Ten football and it's running the football. It's passing when you need to and sort of blending the two together uh, because what they have right now doesn't make sense. Like Shamar Moore, they ran the ball Michigan like 26 straight times against Penn State, which is fucking unbelievable. But Michigan, you know, made some adjustments on the fly. They had one game plan. It didn't really work. First two drives of the game. And then they they just completely changed exactly what they were doing. And I was really impressed with that from Michigan perspective. And, you know, J.J. McCarthy did not exactly look 100% in the second half. And Michigan sort of worked their way around it. Ohio State has figured out a way to sort of make sure they're, they're you know, protecting Kyle McCord because he's not the best Ohio State quarterback we've seen, but also getting it to Marvin Harrison and using their running backs and using, you know, Mbuke and what's, oh, I forget the name of their tight end who's pretty talented too. It's not, I can't think of it at this point. But regardless, like they, they run this sort of, it's not like full spread, right? It feels like Longo's offense gives way too much Rich Rodriguez vibes and that, that you don't want that. And I know Rich Rod's doing a really good job at Jacksonville State. He might get a better job next year. But, like, I, you can't have that sort of style. I don't think it works. And that's okay. Like, look, we learn from our mistakes. But I, I feel like Longo should be on a much shorter leash than Mike Trestle. I think Mike Trestle, I could understand giving him another year to sort of really find his guys. But if Dave Aranda wants to come back, let Dave Aranda back. Like, Dave Aranda is a fucking dog as a defensive coordinator. Um, and honestly, I don't, I don't know how much they're paying him, but like Morgan Smalley of Utah, who's Whittingham's kind of right-hand guy, like that's another guy where I would be like, drop a bag, like get him there. Like Utah, I just always so impressed with how Utah plays both sides of football. Like Kyle Whittingham, the fact that like Texas A&M, not only Texas A&M would hire Kyle Whittingham, I don't think, te- I don't think Kyle Whittingham would go to Texas A&M, who just fired Jimbo Fisher if you didn't see the news yesterday. 
I would 100% try to get to Kyle Whittingham and Texas a And I know they'd be good. I, I, I think it would be too big of a thing for him. I think he loves Utah. I think he has like nine family members in Salt Lake City. Uh, so I, I don't expect Kyle Whittingham to do that. I just think he runs such a good fucking program. I also, um, if you guys are new to the podcast, uh, the one little fact about me is that I am a absolute slut for the coaching carousel. Uh, mostly college football and college basketball, uh, but every now and again, you know, in the professional sports too. College basketball is super funny when you're handicapping like these mid-major games now with the season starting. All of a sudden you find guys that have went to different schools and you're like, oh, I fucking didn't know that this guy moved and he's coaching here now. And uh, Or they moved conferences and just have no idea. Like Western Illinois, they're not the summit anymore. I think they're, are they in the Ohio Valley now? They moved, um, which was interesting, which I didn't know. Um, and there was somebody else. I mean, just the, the teams that are not now in the CUSA and the American, like UTSA and and even Florida Atlantic and all this other stuff. It's just, it's very complicated. Uh, I know champagne problems, but anyways, yeah, uh, it, it's definitely you know a thing where don't just be committed to these guys. I I think that. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, if they go five and seven, there'll be definitely one of those guys is going. If they're six and six, will one leave? I don't know. Maybe Longo takes another job and goes to like a more traditional spread team. Who knows? But we'll see. Uh, lastly, uh, you know, end of the year sort of perspective, uh, you know, you're facing a Northwestern team that I felt was turning the corner. Like I felt like Northwestern really was sort of like, all right, they're starting to figure this thing out. And then they only scored 10 points against a pretty weak Maryland defense. And Maryland escaped with a win. Uh, Badgers now in primetime under the lights in late uh, or mid-November. It's probably the latest there's been a night Badger game. It's going to be on NBC. uh, Five-point favorites. But both Nebraska and Wisconsin are fighting for bowl eligibility. I feel like Nebraska, you know, has a better chance you know, or not a better chance, but like this is a bigger moment for them with the Iowa game at home. I know it's at home, but it's like, I feel like you have a better chance against Wisconsin and they've lost two straight now and trying to right that ship. And same with the Badgers. Like th- there's a world where Wisconsin has five straight losses if it's not for a fourth quarter comeback. It'll be interesting to see if they stick with Tanner Mordecai or if they go with Braden Locke. Uh, I could make it, I think Locke to me is just a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, they, you know, if you win that, then you're bowl eligible and then you win the Axe. I mean, they can build momentum for next season. Like if they were able to beat Nebraska, they were able to beat Minnesota, and then they were able to win their bowl game, I think there'd be real juice, you know, heading into next year for Wisconsin. But if, you know, if you don't, if you lose out, I think it's going to be a lot of soul searching and there's going to be firings and things that are going to need to happen. And if you go six and six and you get the axe, but you lose to Nebraska, I, I think that might be okay. But man, I, I feel like Wisconsin's in sort of a must-win scenario against the Cornhuskers. We'll, we'll certainly talk about it as the week goes on. All right, that does it for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure that you are subscribed to Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, make sure you're checking us out on the social medias. Come hang out. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about Bucks and the Bulls tonight. Uh, first installment of that uh, this evening. And yeah, we'll be back tomorrow uh, with another show. So stay tuned for that. All right. Take care, guys. Have yourself a great Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.